that God holds uh, that we should understand. That he does not loathe anything that he has created. He does not desire the death of his children. Our second reading, St. Paul is uh, speaking to the community and telling them, hold the faith, your faith will grow, do not be shaken by anything. And he's acknowledging uh, uh, the Lord has not returned yet, and uh, uh, we don't know when. <laughs> Finally, St. Paul is saying, I don't know when. Uh, that's why he said any supposed letters from us about the day of the Lord. For St. Paul, the day of the Lord means uh, his coming. My friends, I, I was telling the deacon that I have eight pages of notes uh, about this particular gospel reading. Uh, all of them have particular meanings and uh, uh, meanings to them. And I can only, uh, well, certainly I can keep you here for a couple hours, but... Uh, the folks at 11 will be furious because <laughs> there'll be no place to park. Um, so I really have to pick what I think perhaps uh, I'm one of the messages. And um, friends, um, today's gospel, uh, Jesus uses a phrase that is found in other places in the Holy Scripture. And that phrase is the lost. And um, in it, Jesus says, uh, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. And uh, in Holy Scripture, that phrase, that little phrase, the lost, sometimes means those who are damned. And, um, but with Jesus, uh, the lost usually refers to sinners who have gone astray. And Jesus seeks out those lost ones so that they may be found. Um, and they are hopefully missing only temporarily uh, from God's grace and from the gospel truth. Uh, my friends, the truth of the matter is they are not in the kingdom of God where they are supposed to be. That's why Jesus comes. Someone who is lost is not where they're supposed to be. In other places, Jesus mentions the lost. For example, he tells the story of the prodigal son that we heard not too long ago, where the son leaves and he goes off and misbehaves, <laughs> eventually returns during very difficult times and when he has no more money. Uh, we are told he is welcomed with open arms by the father. And the father tells the servants to prepare a big party because the son of mine was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found, Luke 15, 24. Jesus mentions that he is being sent. He came into the world for the lost sheep of Israel, Matthew 15, 24. These two, hopefully, lost only temporarily. They are missing from the kingdom where they are supposed to be also. Because they are children of God's promises too. In the scriptures, particularly, they have been led astray by the rules and the burdens of their leaders. And um, by the loss of the spirit of the law, not a, a clear understanding of it. But they remain children of Abraham and of, of the promises made. As such, they should be seeking Jesus as eagerly uh, as Jesus is seeking them. Um, they should be flocking to the kingdom of God. But they are not, except for a very few, as exampled with Zacchaeus. Vincent, my reflection of the past couple days, that's how I arrived to so many pages, um, that led me to ask, where do you and I fit in Jesus' theology of the lost? 
We are neither children of Abraham, because that meaning means by blood. So we are not that. Nor are we children of the Pharisees. Thank God. And, uh, but I go to the ninth chapter of the letter to Romans, and St. Paul says that the promise of salvation is made not only to the descendants of Abraham, which Paul, St. Paul says, my kin. Remember, um, St. Paul is Jewish, so he says, he's letting him know, I'm a descendant, I'm one of the blood relatives. Um, but then he goes on to say, these promises are to whomever God chooses, whether Jew or Gentile. And St. Paul is actually echoing the prophet Hosea from chapter 222-25 from the book of Hosea. Those who are not my people, I will call my people. And she who is not my beloved, I will call beloved. For St. Paul, the promise of salvation falls to anyone, Jew or Gentile or whatever title we may want to give, on one condition. Do you guys know what that condition is? Please, please, please. Do I dare ask someone to say, okay, it's early, and the time change is making everybody cloudy. That one condition is faith in Jesus Christ. That is the one condition for St. Paul. In this, then, you and I are not, strictly speaking, the lost of Jesus' concern in the gospel today. We thank God for that, but we are aware of the fact that if we fall from grace, then we become the lost. We are also aware of the fact that some of our friends and family and neighbors perhaps have drifted away from the Christian faith or from a religious practice of our church. And uh, this drifting can have many causes uh, from issues of church doctrine and precepts. Uh, it could be simply a drifting away of good, sound moral morality uh, in the face of world values and cultures. Uh, it could be because of a failed relationship it could be because of the recent church scandals. Uh, uh, it could even be just because they simply stopped praying. For no particular reason, they just stopped. Faith seems, my friends, to be diminishing in our Western culture, but not only in the Western culture, um, but in all societies and cultures of this generation. In response, then, to our gospel of today, we pray from our hearts for perseverance in faith, in our commitments as disciples of Jesus Christ. People have become very lukewarm about this. So we pray uh, for perseverance and a renewal of commitment. And also of commitments that you make to your husbands, your wives, your families, your friends. Keep those commitments. We pray for a renewal of trust and confidence in Jesus Christ who pours out his grace upon us every day. And finally, and certainly not least, we pray that those we know and love who have drifted away and who live in the shadows uh, are not permanently lost, uh, but are the lost to whom Jesus will find and pour his grace out again. And as often as it does happen, he usually does that with our assistance. This is why uh, he has disciples because you become that light 
for him. He says, while I am in the world, the world has light. But when I leave, he did not say the light would be gone. He would say, you become the light. You share that light. My friends, uh, one of the other meanings uh, in the gospel, and I'll be very quick about it, is Zacchaeus. Um, you know uh, from the way we, we've studied that he is a tax collector. Simply because he is a tax collector, he is hated. He worked for the Roman Romans, so uh, he's considered a... Well, the children are here, I don't want to say it. Uh, he's considered to be uh, a very distasteful type of person. Uh, in their eyes, he is unclean, meaning that he cannot go to church. He cannot, for them, he cannot go to the temple. He is forbidden to go there. In his town, uh, he is hated and despised, and no one would speak to him. Nobody, nobody who was not a sinner. And Jesus comes and he's curious about Jesus, but it's more than curiosity. We are told he's small in stature, which means he's short, maybe a midget. <laughs> That's not talking about his personality. It was actually talking about his body. Uh, in the Greek, it means he's small. And so we're told he climbs a sycamore tree and, uh, to get a glimpse of Jesus. And to his utter amazement, it is Jesus who looks up and tells them, you come down quickly, Zacchaeus. And you know my sense of humor, come down quickly means he fell out of the tree <laughs> because he was shocked that the holy man, you know, and of course, Zacchaeus already knows what the people think, so he's probably wondering, have these people told the rabbi that I'm a rotten person, that I'm an unclean, disgusting sinner? Is that how Jesus knows my name? Did they point me out? Look at the fool in the tree. We're told he comes down and he stands his ground with the people. The people hate him. Jesus stands his ground also. He says, come down, I'm going to your house. And we're told that the people begin to gossip and say terrible things. Ah, Jesus is going to that filthy man's house. And Zacchaeus stands his ground against the people, meaning he stands right in front of Jesus. And the difference about the English and the Greek, in the Greek, he tells Jesus, I give half of what I have to the poor. What kind of crazy person gives half of what he has to the poor? The kind of person, crazy person, who has a great charitable heart and who loves the poor. You see, Jesus knew. I'm not saying that Zacchaeus was not a sinner, but he was not what the people said he was. And more than that, he said, if I have cheated anybody, and he likely did, <laughs> I will pay it 400 times over back to them. The Mosaic law only required 120%. I don't know how they get to that number. I can't figure it out. But that's what was required. So he said, I will do 400 times. Now, he was a wealthy man, but if he had extorted the way the people said he did, he wouldn't have any money. One, because he already gave half of it to the poor, and the rest he would not have enough. So you see what I'm getting at. 
Um, Jesus did not find him to be unclean. He may not have been perfect, but he was not unclean. Jesus saw the potential of Zacchaeus and taking into account the first reading, God does not loathe what he has created. Jesus was right. He came to seek Zacchaeus because he was lost. Because he was forbidden to go to the temple to offer God any type of praise, Zacchaeus sees something that the people did not. They saw the very living temple of God, Jesus, and offered his reconciliation. I will amend my ways. There were no barriers between Zacchaeus and Jesus. The same as it should be today, no barriers between people who are earnestly seeking Jesus Christ. We are not to put up barriers in seeking Jesus, but assist them in finding him. Do you, do you agree? These are the, I'm going to stop because I will keep you here all day because there are six more pages <laughs> of things to talk about about Zacchaeus. But I hope what I've given you now will give you a picture of what was happening, a better understanding of Jesus Christ.